What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. I have a great episode prepared for you all. It's just me, so we're kind of taking it back to how it used to be. Uh, had a guest prepared to come on this week, but something happened at work, so we're going to keep it pushing, though. And um, without further ado, welcome to my sports house. Open up the champagne. Pop. It's my house. Come on. Turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door. We've done this before, so you come on in. Make yourself at my home, tell me where you've been. Pour yourself something cold, baby, cheers to this. Sometimes you gotta stay in, and you know where I live. Yeah, you know what we is. Sometimes you gotta stay in, in. Welcome to all right, y'all, we're going to start off with the local team, the University of South Carolina, who went on the road to play the Texas A&M Aggies in College Station, Texas. Uh, yeah, yeah, right in front of the 12th man. Texas A&M definitely came out with the win in this one, and in large fashion, as a matter of fact, with a final score of 44-14. Let's start off talking about that Texas A&M front seven. Those guys were getting after it. They got heads to the football within, it seemed like about three seconds, and it really hurt Carolina that Zeb Nolan is the starter in this one because he was not, he's not mobile, like kind of whatsoever. You kind of need a guy in there that could get away from their pressure a little bit or just kind of just get away for a second so that maybe a receiver could, could, could get open, but that just didn't happen to be the case. We got to see a little bit of the backup quarterback the backup backup third string Jason Brown come in there at the end of the game and he's more mobile, but even he had the two interceptions. He went eight for 14 for 84 yards. South Carolina starter Zeb Nolan went seven for 12 for 30 yards. And he didn't have like a big rushing day either. So seven for 12, 30 yards. That's kind of, that, I think that's tied that right there. That stat kind of tells you everything you need to know about the game. The, uh, one thing that the announcer said in the game, and I think it really drove the point home for a lot of Carolina fans. It was the third quarter with two minutes and 23 seconds left. And the announcer brought up the stat that, that Texas A&M had 443 yards of total offense to Carolina six. And this is in the third quarter. It's like, oh my gosh. You, you kind of wonder, it's like, what, what was really going on? Like, what was the game plan? But yeah, tough day for the Gamecocks. As I think they're now four and four and they're just trying to get to five, maybe six wins. But it is a tough schedule. Uh, for the rest of the season, there are no more Vanderbilt. So I guess you can't even say that because Vanderbilt almost beat Carolina this year. But I do got to give a major shout out to Jalen Foster, who had another interception this week. So that he now leads the college football, right, with five interceptions. Yeah, he leads college football, five interceptions. He has 19 more tackles than any other guy on the Gamecocks roster. I know he's in the 50s. I want to say like 55. But that's major for him. And he has been named the semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, which honors the best DB in college football. And this guy was a former walk-on, so he's definitely getting all that he can out of the University of South Carolina and really taking advantage of his opportunity. And that's great to see. And if you have this kind of year, get this many turnovers in the SEC, you're bound to be up for one of the awards. Maybe when it's time for the draft, maybe teams aren't even you're already on their list, but now you're probably more so at the front, or at least they got to come down to the pro day, probably send you to the combine and see what, see what you got going on there. So shout out to him for taking advantage of the opportunity. But yeah, like I said, but as far as the offense, tough day sled. I think the, the leading receiver for South Carolina had yep, yep, two catches for 32 yards, and that was Josh Van. 
Meanwhile, so y'all know my recipe for success as far as offense. You got to have a quarterback 200 yards passing, a rusher, rusher running back with 100 yards running, and then a receiver 100 yards catching. That that didn't even happen with the game. Guys, nowhere near. Meanwhile, Texas A&M had two rushers go over 100 yards. Isaiah Spiller, which is the guy that a lot of people know about, he had 18 carries for 102 yards and one touchdown, averaging six yards a carry. And then Devon. Yeah, Devon Aching, that's his name. He had 20 carries for 154 yards. So for the most part, if you have two rushers that are rushing for over 100 yards, the offensive line is doing a great job, and y'all are going to get the win. And that is definitely what took place in this one. The, in other news, though, talking about the Texas A&M, the coaching kind of carousel right now, there's been, there were a lot of reports going around. We kind of talked about this briefly in the last episode about Jimbo Fisher potentially going to LSU because he was the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach there when they won the national championship back when Nick Saban was the head man, but he completely threw those rumors in the trash. And I wanted to get, let everybody hear the rant that he kind of went on about why he loves Texas A&M. So here it is. I'm going to say this right now. And it, and I don't want, it's in October right now. I love being here. This is my, the job I wanted. I'm, I'm being here. I got a great contract. I have an unbelievable chancellor, I have an unbelievable president, unbelievable AD, that we're building something, we're recruiting great players. I really believe we're on the process of building something great. I plan on being here and fulfilling this contract and doing everything. I, my family has roots here. I got ranches here. I hunt here. I love everything about this place. And and I and you don't and listen. And I say that because listen, nothing. There's nothing going on there. Is there nothing happening there? And I don't be disrespectful to anybody else. I, I coached there. It was a great place. We won national championships. It is one of the best, you know, best places. In America. It's a wonderful place. I love being an A&M, and I plan on being an A&M here and fulfilling my whole contract. I love everything about this place. And, and let me tell you something else. And the way this place has embraced me and my family, and including our foundation. The things that are going on with our foundation, the way the people have embraced it, the way people have, have done everything here in College Station. I love everything about the people here, the administration here, and everybody in charge here and, and the people who run this organization. And I love it here. So, yeah, so like I said, he's not going anywhere. Um, we'll see what we'll see who LSU chooses to hire, though. I think we said on last week's episode as well. Y'all should probably go check back and listen. There was a lot of really good information in that one. But I'm thinking it's going to be the Michigan State head coach that might, since he already has ties, he might go to LSU since he already has ties to the SEC. But we're going to talk about a former South Carolina quarterback and Ryan Halinski, who struggled against Michigan. They lost in big in large fashion. And Michigan's undefeated right now. And the, from people who watch the game, the scouts and stuff, they said what it was was that Michigan's front seven forced – like it was either they were forcing sacks on Ryan Helensky, who is not a dual threat guy, but he can move a tiny bit. But they were saying if it wasn't uh, forcing the sack, it was an off-platform throw that was being forced, and it seemed like it was that for every attempt. So just a bad day for Ryan Nolinski out there in the Big Ten. He's Remember, he left South Carolina and decided to go to Northwestern. And after Luke Dottie kind of took the job from him, and I mean, I guess he's starting over there, but it ain't necessarily like uh, the roses over there. So, and I, I did want to mention this, Michigan and Michigan State, who would have thought these two Big Ten teams would both be undefeated and where how that is generally like a, some sort of rivalry in the Big Ten. Two undefeated Big Ten teams, they'll face each other this week. I'm pretty sure that game's going to be on Fox because Fox usually carries a Big Ten game of the week. So make sure y'all check that one out. 
generally speaking, Big Ten games, in my opinion, if you're not watching Ohio State, they're not exactly the most exciting things. It's a lot of defense, rushing. You know, you might get a, a, a couple touch throwing, a couple passing touchdowns, but not too many. But definitely check that out. Definitely was not expecting to see Michigan and Michigan State still undefeated this far into the season. All right, we will now go to the ACC where Clemson played Pitt, the Pittsburgh Panthers at, at Pitt this week. And one thing, okay, let's go ahead and talk about the score. Final score, Clemson lost. Moving, uh, the final score was 27-17. They now go to 4-3 and three on the year. Pittsburgh is 6-1. and one. one thing that's been crazy to see about Clemson losing so much is that these other ACC schools have been used for like the past, what, like seven to eight years of getting beaten down by Clemson. So you know that their fan bases are are enjoying this like none other. It's like, oh, everybody, let's come to the game because we actually are going to probably get to see our team beat Clemson. One thing that was uncharacteristic with this game was Clemson gave up 464 yards of offense to Pitt, and that's uncharacteristic of that Clemson defense. Usually that Clemson defense holds teams like, like 200 yards, 300 at max, but 464, that's almost 500. That never happens. So I'm sure Brent Venables has everybody, has the whole entire defense's uh, team in the film room this week, and they're trying to get that cleaned up. DJ got benched in this game. They brought in the backup. And then he ended up, did ZJ back, ended up back in the game. Uh, so, like I said, just tough, tough day for the Tigers. This has not been the year I think Justin Ross and really any Clemson fan was expecting to have, but you know, it's sometimes, sometimes these years kind of happen. And I'm sure Dabo's on the job trying to get it fixed and trying to figure out what they're going to do moving forward. Another thing that I thought was kind of crazy is for the past couple of years, Dabo had this, uh, what are those things called, wherever it's like is it the ACC, what, like, and the A stands for this, the C stands for this, whatever. Y'all know what I'm talking about. For the longest, it was ACC, another Clemson championship. And it's just not going to be that this year. Like, it's just not happening. Because like, Wake Forest is still undefeated, which is another major surprise. If you would have told me Michigan, Michigan State, and Wake Forest would be undefeated, and I'd be like, what? But nonetheless, that that is what's happening here. But anyway, no ACC championship for Clemson this year. For a lot of Clemson fans, I'd assume they you kind of buy ACC championship tickets at the beginning of the season because you know you're at least going to be there. The question is, are you going to college football playoff? But uh, that's been a little shakeup this year, so that's that's crazy. But yeah, Clemson takes a loss this week. Uh, moving forward, they will have. Let's get this up here. Moving forward, they'll play Florida State, and the, there's no telling that DJ's going to be the starter. Dabble basically says somebody's going to run out there first, so, so there's no guarantee DJ will be the guy to be the starter for that game. We'll see if the backup can make it happen, and uh, just stay tuned for that. So major surprise. Thought Clemson was going to get this one going, and Pitt basically was like, not here, not here, not this weekend. Did have to give a major shout-out to a former Clemson quarterback, and Chase Bryce, who is now the starting quarterback at Appalachian State, I guess after he realized, because he was at Clemson before Trevor Lawrence, but when Trevor Lawrence kind of came to town, he sat behind him for a year or two, but it's okay, maybe I need to go elsewhere. He went to Duke, and then now he's at Appalachian State. He had a big day, 18 for 28, 347 yards and two touchdowns in Appalachian State's win over Coastal Carolina, giving Coastal Carolina their first loss of the season. That was surprising, but, you know, it's good to see guys being able to, you know, maybe they have to leave and go someplace else and go someplace else. But if you end up a successful year, you kind of get put, you kind of get your name in there, that draft conversation. And right now, Appalachian State is five and two. And so, you know, scouts are always paying attention to, especially Appalachian State, because they're like giant crushers. But it's crazy, too, because, you know, for years, the years past, it's like Coastal Carolina, you know, lose the game, lose two games, whatever. But now it's like, oh, Coastal Carolina loses football game. Everybody's like, what's going on here? 
So the Coastal Carolina gets the loss, but they will face who is it? They got Troy next week. And as we know, Troy gave South Carolina some problems. So they'll play Troy on Thursday night, Thursday, October 28th night at 7.30 p.m. So you're a state, if you if you cheer for the state of South Carolina when it comes to football, make sure you tune into that game. Definitely want to go ahead and move to the SEC where Ole Miss got the win over LSU with the final score of 31-17. Eli Manning got his jersey retired at this game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, he got his jersey retired. And I always wonder, because like you hear about Peyton Manning a lot of times at Tennessee and like the glory days, or they, they didn't win a national championship when he was there. But you hear Eli was the number one pick in the draft coming out of Ole Miss, but you don't really hear too much about Eli's time at Ole Miss. It's not like they like think about that time as the glory days at Ole Miss. Maybe they do in Mississippi and we just don't hear about it. But I went and did some research. Eli set or tied 47 single game season and career records while during his time at Ole Miss for between 2000 and 2003. So he was a guy for sure. And I and definitely that understands why they would go ahead and retire his jersey. He still holds the career marks of 10,119 passing yards and 81 touchdowns. So he was a baller. Like I said, he was the first pick, but I just, I don't know if anybody else thinks about this too, but it's like, you never hear about Eli Manning time at Ole Miss. Like, oh man, those are great days there. It seems like, as a matter of fact, in the book of Manning, they kind of talked more about their dad, Archie Manning's time at Ole Miss than Eli. So just something to think about there, but you have it there. Those 10,000 passing yards, 81 touchdowns, all 47 single game records. Yeah, okay, that he was a guy there for sure. We're going to stay in the SEC where... Tennessee played Alabama, and Alabama got the win. This game was at Brian Diddy, so it was in Alabama. Uh, Alabama got the win with the final score, 52-24. to Tennessee kept this game close. At the half, the score was 21-14 with Alabama having the lead, but at the end of the first quarter, Tennessee had the lead 14-7. I guess you could say a lot of teams could keep Alabama close at the beginning, but it doesn't matter. uh, All that matters is that at the end of the game, the final score – but uh, I was was kind of surprised by that. They're going to be able to keep it close as long as they did. Bryce Young had a big day, 31 for 43 for 371 yards and two touchdowns for the Crimson Tide. This is what I'm talking about, y'all. You had a 300-yard passer. And their running back, Brian Robinson Jr., had 26 carries for 107 yards. He had three touchdowns. Yikes. And they had two receivers, John Michi, and who had 11 catches for 121 yards and two touchdowns. And Jameson Williams, who has six catches for 123 yards. I'm telling y'all, that is the recipe. A 200-yard passer or a 200-yard passer or more, 100-yard rusher and a 100-yard receiver. That's the recipe for victory. And as long as you don't have too many turnovers and Bryce Young didn't have any. If I'm a Tennessee fan, I am so if I'm a Tennessee volunteer fan, I am so mad that I, that them and Alabama are considered rivals because they play every single year. And Tennessee's in the East, Alabama's in the West. It doesn't have to be like that. So I'm thinking, like, even if Tennessee's going on a great run one year and they still got to play Alabama, so it's like almost that's almost an automatic loss. So that must suck to be a volunteer for reasons like that. And maybe this is why they were throwing the, uh, the mustard on the field. It's like, yeah, maybe some of it was the Lane Kiffin, but it's like, man, it just sucks to be a volunteer sometimes. Now we're going to go back to the Big Ten to talk about uh, my Ohio State Buckeyes who got the win this week with the final score 54-7 to over the Indiana Hoosers. 
CJ Stroud. Ever since he had to sit out that game uh, because of his shoulder injury, he's been lights out. He went 21 for 28 for 266 yards and four touchdowns. You know, you know our receivers did what they need to do. But Travion Henderson might be one of the best backs in the country this year. And I think by the time he's all said and done, they're going to look at him kind of like they, we looked at Ezekiel Elliott at his time at Ohio State. He had three touchdowns on the day, one receiving, two rushing. He's just an explosive guy. He rushed the ball nine times, 80 uh, for 81 yards, do the math. That is averaging nine yards per carry. He's a beast of a back. He's only a freshman. And uh, just really just really great to see my Buckeyes doing well. Quinn Ewers, though, I think everybody heard of him. He's the quarterback that was playing down in Texas, decided to come to Ohio State early. He's number one quarterback in the country. Had one of the highest rankings since, like, like uh, Andrew Luck. Like, he's one of those quarterbacks. But he's not been traveling to all of our games. And I thought Ryan Day made a very interesting comment. And he says something along the lines of, he's got to learn how to prepare. And I did, and whenever he said that, I was like, well, yeah, he kind of is a freshman. I mean, he would be a senior in high school this year. And so that some companies are offering him part ownership of their company for him to go ahead and come out and now do things to NLI. But – I, I really think, or in, yes, in a, not, it's not NIL, name, image, likeness. It might be NIL, the NIL. Um, it's, you get it, it's one of, them, one of them letters. But nonetheless, I thought about that whenever they, whenever he first announced he was going, I was like, I, I know that, you know, he definitely got to go get part of that company or whatever, but it's like, but the play, high, it seems like he was still like a kid. Like, it's like, you now granted, he has these high rings and whatnot, but he just kind of wanted to play his high school senior year. But ultimately he chose to, come to Ohio State and the reason that Ryan Day had to make that statement when Ryan Day is the head coach of Ohio State in case y'all don't know but in case the reason he had to make that statement was because whenever CJ Stroud was struggling and even whenever you hear the Ohio State fan base they hear that okay they think we have the next Andrew Luck coming to town you think oh he could start right away Ryan Day is like yo like there's a process you don't just walk up in here and play like these guys have been studying this offense for years to come and have already have that maturity you know because they're just older and so that's definitely something to watch for. But uh, yeah, he definitely, he did not make the trip, the road, but the dude already is a part owner of the company. They've already given some equity in it just to be a brand, just to be uh, like almost like an, it's not an endorsement, but just for him, yeah, for him to endorse their product. So something to watch there. But Quinn Ewers, he kind of just on the practice fields right now, just trying to figure it all out, like the rest of the Buckeyes teams, like the rest of the walk-ons and probably freshmen as well. Ohio State has Penn State at Ohio State. It's going to be a night game. Really looking forward to it. Uh, 7.30 on Saturday night. Hopefully ABC picks up this game. Uh, it, you really kind of love whenever it's at Penn State because it's a whiteout. But nonetheless, you love to see the Ohio Stadium at night. Since we're talking about Penn State, Penn State lost to Illinois. Yikes. So they lost the final score of 20-18. to 18. Big win for Illinois, but that's just terrible for Penn State. That's what their first, that's their, they, they lost it back now because they had, a, oh yeah, that's really terrible because they lost to Iowa, who is a high ranked team. So that's not as bad, but they lost to them on the ninth. Then they had the bye, you know, at their bye after a loss, the coach thinks like, okay, we're about to get everything back in order. And then you come and lose to Illinois. It's like, oh my goodness. And Illinois was an unranked team. I think James Franklin, and we all, I think most of us remember James Franklin for his time at Vandy, being able to make Vandy a pretty decent team although they have like such high, you know, like academic standards and whatnot, and then probably don't get the, they, I know it, they don't get the same players Alabama because they're in the SEC, but they're not in the SEC. Uh, those two just schools are not built the same in football. Avandi obviously offers a lot of help for the conference when like sports like baseball and other sports, but football, it just ain't happening. 
But anyway, we all think James Franklin is going to the University of Southern Cal. Y'all know I really want to see Urban Meyer out there, Southern Cal, but I don't think that's happening. I think he's going to stay put in the NFL. But it's like James Franklin, he had them to, I think, the highest that they'll ever get when he has Saquon Barkley at Penn State. And it's like, okay, this is about the peak that you get at Penn State. Maybe they can make a run in national championship one year, but uh, it's going to be tough to get through Ohio State. So I think he goes to University of Southern Cal, kind of goes out there on that West Coast, where I think like your biggest competition is Oregon. And you just kind of rebuild that program. And I think you will get a lot of credit in around college football for rebuilding the USC as as opposed to fighting with Ohio State every year in uh, the Big Ten. So that's something to watch for throughout the rest of, well, not really throughout the rest of the season, but heading into next season and definitely heading into the off season. Oklahoma, we're going to the Big 12 where Oklahoma beat Kansas, and it was a tight ball game. It was a very tight ball game. As a matter of fact, going to the half, Kansas was up 10 to nothing, but Oklahoma was able to pull out the win with the final score of 35-23. Just to put this in perspective, Kansas is 1-6, and and Oklahoma is 8-0 and sitting at, I think, the number four, depending on the ranking, but the one I'm looking at right now, they're number four team in the country. Oklahoma is so frustrating. They are so frustrating to watch because they just get it done. And because a lot of other teams have lost already in college football this season, they're, they're sitting, like I said before, the number four team in the country. But nobody wants to see Oklahoma in that college football playoff because they get, you know, they get killed every year. But Caleb Williams, how about it? And I don't know if you all were watching the game, but if you were, we must talk about whenever the Oklahoma running back was clearly stopped. And so Caleb Williams goes and takes the ball from him like it's his backyard football and goes and gets the first down. The kid's a winner. I guess you could say that so far. He just finds a way to win the game, but this will not last for long. This will last as long as they're in that, um, as long as they're in that big 12, though. I think they'll be all right for this season. But I do think at the end of the year, they, in the game they call Bedlam, they do have a date with Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State lost their first game of the season this week. I think heading into this week, they were undefeated, but they took the loss to Iowa State. But that will be the game where maybe that Oklahoma magic magic might not work out for them but at the same time um bedlam is a rivalry game so you know everything counts there's a lot of emotion in that game but i think that should be a big ball big i think that should be a good ball game we are going to head to the nfl it seems like we talk about Kyler murray and every week because it seems like i do that transition every week from an oklahoma quarterback to the nfl because as we know Kyler murray played at oklahoma and won the heisman trophy there as number one pick in the draft Man, it seems like there's uh, yeah, okay. We'll just go with that. No one picking draft. Anyway, the Arizona Cardinals get the win this week over the Houston Texans. Final score of 31 to 5. I keep saying this. The Arizona Cardinals have an embarrassment of riches. Kyler Murray as your quarterback, who went 20 for 28 for 261 yards and three touchdowns, which is one interception. They got Chase Edmonds, who went 15 for 81 and on the ground, and they got James Conner. And then if you look at the receiving core slash tight ends, you got Zach Ertz, who had his touchdown this week. You got A.J. Green. You got DeAndre Hopkins. You got Christian Kirk. You got Rondell Moore. Like, they're just an embarrassment of riches on that offense. It's actually really exciting to watch because it's like, like, like who's going to get the ball? Because all these guys can go make plays. And, like, I think I think that, that addition of Zach Ertz, which is great, because now it's like you even have the tight end who is known in this league to be a receiving tight end, even with Philly. So I mean, he can block a little something, something but it, really you, you go get him till you have another target for Kyler Murray, and Kyler has taken advantage of that. thought this game was really weird for Houston for a couple reasons. One, can you imagine watching this game as a Houston fan? You watch a, you watch, uh, 
DeAndre Hopkins, Nuke Hopkins, you watch him make a catch, and it's like, wow, he was a really dominant organization for a long time. Then you look and you see J.J. Watt maybe get a sack of some sort, and you're like, wow, he used to be on our, like, all over the stadium, all the commercials in Houston, everything. And then it's like, well, oh, that sucks too, but, you know, at least we have our franchise quarterback. Nope, Deshaun Watson's not playing. So it's like, man, oh, man, like, it would suck to be a Texan right now. But I, the reason I say specifically that game is because you literally look on the opposite team and you see the guys that, like, kind of ran your organization. Well, not ran it, but, you know, the best players from your organization on an opposing team. And they're undefeated right now. And it really makes you look at your organization like, how did we let this happen? How, Or better yet, the question is, how did we get here? How did we get here? So something crazy to watch there for watch there. Hopefully they'll get Tyrod. No boy, not Tyrod. Yeah, hopefully they'll get Tyrod Taylor back soon. It must suck for Tyrod. It's like every year he's supposed to have his chance with a team. He gets hurt, or they bring in somebody right in front of him. Remember in Cleveland, Baker Mayfield kind of took his job, and then it's just like every year bad luck comes upon him. I think somebody punt, one of the trainers punctured his lungs like last year. Uh, or the year before that, it's just must. It's like real a lot of bad luck for Tyrod Taylor, but hopefully, uh, uh, he his luck will start turning in his direction at some point. Right now, he's injured. As a matter of fact, he's supposed to be the Houston starter, but he's injured. After that, do want to go ahead and mention this though? It's crazy. After the Panthers bench Sam Darnold, a lot of reports are saying that the Panthers might be trying to get in a conversation for Deshaun Watson, which we had heard before. But it seems like it's like, you know, maybe that's something you were the owner was thinking about, the general manager was thinking about, but it's like, yo, we might really need to make this move. I think everybody is just kind of watching the Deshaun Watson situation because it's like, if you bring him into your organization, is he going to actually be able to play? How is that going to look PR-wise based off the allegations that are all out right now? So everybody's kind of tuned into that. But as soon as they bench Sam Darnold, Twitter got, Twitter got churning. You saw a lot of credible reporters saying that, that, you know, they've entered the trade talks according to their sources. So we'll see what happens with that. I think a lot of, besides the allegations, which is a major thing, I think a lot of Carolina people from the state of South Carolina would be excited to see Deshaun Watson whenever he actually gets a chance to play, if he does, and, and with the Panthers and Charlotte being that that's so close. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but like I said, there ain't no guarantee even when they get him, will he actually be able to play and how long he will be able to play? Because you got to see what the league does. You got to see if any criminal charges or whatnot go through and all that, all that comes with that. So we'll see what happens with that situation, but definitely want to plant that in your ear that that is happening. I'm actually kind of excited to talk about this right here. Uh, how about the Cincinnati Bengals? Five and two on the year, beating the Baltimore Ravens. They are the leaders of that AFC North division, which y'all know is a really good division. You got the Steelers, you got the Bengals, you got the Ravens, and you have, what's the last team you got there? And you got the Browns. Yeah, yeah. And for to see them, now granted, the score, it says 41-17. Cincinnati scored 28 in the third and the fourth quarter combined. It was a little bit closer than what it kind of looks like, but huge day for huge day for let's say Jamar Chase who had eight receptions for 201 yards and a touchdown Jamar and a lot of people doubted I hey, y'all even heard the first the episode after Shannon said when I put it on here Shannon, whenever Shannon Sharp was talking about there have been a lot of reports he had a lot of drops but this brother has recovered it was like when the season turned on and the season got going he just turned it on and he hasn't turned it off since major day for him and Joe Burrow going to it. I think everybody's a fan of Joe Burrow after that year at LSU going 23 for 38, 416 yards, three touchdowns and interception on the day. 
And I, I think everybody's so used to Lamar Jackson, the magic. It just wasn't ha- it wasn't able to come together for this game for the Ravens. Now, Cincinnati got to Lamar a lot. And so I think that that made a huge difference in this game because Lamar was on the ground a lot. And Lamar's usually able to get out of those or uh, yeah, Lamar's usually able to get out a lot of that pressure, but he wasn't able to do so in this game. But once again, Cincinnati leading the AFC North, man, oh man, this has been the year of surprises in football. A lot of people thought it was a bad decision. Like I like our analyst, Sterling Harris, thought it was a bad idea for them to go get Jamar Chase instead of going to get an offensive lineman to help protect Joe Burrow. But that chemistry that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase has, it's crazy. I'm happy to see it. Cincinnati, oh, man, don't let me find out Cincinnati might make it to the playoffs. I think all the LSU fans are going to come back out in big numbers. Uh, like I said before, such a magical season, but big, that was crazy right there. That was crazy. I was not expecting Cincinnati to get that win and to go head to head Joe Burrow versus Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow to get the win. So we'll see what continues to happen with those Cincinnati Bengals next week. They play the Jets. So that should be a win because Zach Wilson's out for the next two to four weeks. And then they got a matchup with the Browns and Browns seem like the whole team is injured. My goodness. A lot of guys injured case Keenum is the starting quarterback for the time being. And uh, we'll continue to watch uh, both of these teams and in in that AFC North as a total, because I just think it's an interesting division just because it's just so tough. Just wanted to mention this Chicago Bears versus Buc- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. The Buccaneers got the win with the final score of 38-3. to I th- I, They were talking about a pregame and throughout the game that I think Tom Brady is 22 years older than Justin Fields. So literally – Almost since Tom Brady has been in the NFL, when Tom Brady was in the NFL, first got into the NFL, Justin Fields was just being bored. That, that's crazy. And in this game, it just kind of shows you how the old head is like, yo, let me let me show you some things, young fella. Another, I can't even say surprising though, because the Tampa Bay is six and one. The Bears are now three and four. But uh, once again, final score 38-3. Tampa Bay takes the win. Big day for Tom Brady, 20 for 36, 211 yards, four passing touchdowns. Chris Godwin had eight receptions, 111 yards, and one touchdown. Chris Godwin kind of snuck on the radar for me. I was watching the NFL Top 100 probably about two maybe two years ago, and I saw Chris Godwin on there. I was like, wait. I, and, and maybe just because I wasn't really tapped in that much in Tampa Bay, I was like, wait, who is he? And he's, he's a Top 100 player, and, I mean, he's so he's consistent. And you would say with a roster with Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin, and he's still able to get just about his 100 a lot of weeks, like he's a real solid receiver, and more importantly, being a real solid receiver, he's just super consistent. He consistently excels at a high level. Okay, and then tonight for the Monday Night Football, so this is my prediction. So I guess if you're listening to this after Monday, you can just tell me if I'm right or wrong. But Saints versus the Seahawks, Jameis Winston versus what's the guy, what's the guy's name? Oh, uh, West Virginia, Geno Smith. There you go. I, I remember guys, quarterbacks specifically from their college time, but we do know Russell Wilson is still out. But uh, I really want to see, I would love to see Jameis Winston get this win for the Saints. However, I am a huge Jamal Adams fan. Um, so if Jamal Adams and the, and the Seahawks are able to pull this off, I will not be mad. But I'm going to go ahead and predict the win with the final score. Let's say 35-21, Saints get the win. Famous Jameis keeps it moving and with the New Orleans Saints. But that is all I have for you all for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another week of Matt Sports House. This was a lot of, uh, I don't know, this, this was an interesting episode, how, how it all came together and whatnot. But uh, be back next week. we got another guest that's coming on next week. It's already been confirmed. He's a great guest. We had him on before. 
Uh, I'm not going to say his name because y'all figure that out next week. But thanks for listening. Make sure follow Matt Sports House, M-A-T-T-S, another S, Sports House, on Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave a comment. If it's good, if it's bad, just stay off of it. And I'll uh, see y'all next week. Peace. Time is dancing, new car automatic. I don't never panic. Think I need a challenge. And bitch, you been, I never change. Back then, I was broke. I asked for something, I ain't never handed. Now, bitch, I'm up. I book myself, and I don't need a man.